Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you, and may they be in keeping with the teachings of our Savior and our hope, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I came across a photograph online that piqued my interest. It was a black and white photo of a small clapboard shack in the woods. It couldn't have been more than a single room. The roof extended out above an old picnic table, shielding it from the rain and the elements. It was a late autumn scene, obviously, because the ground was covered in leaves and the people in the photograph were dressed for brisk weather. Several of them were gathered at the little picnic table, drinking coffee and poring over a series of maps. A few others stood nearby, just hanging out in their flannel shirts and faded blue jeans. I couldn't say why this picture had arrested my attention exactly, except that I've always been interested in old photographs and the stories they might tell. After a bit of research, I determined that this photo was taken in 1972 in the woods of Kentucky and depicted the headquarters of the Cave Research Foundation, a motley crew of young cavers and spelunkers that had been attempting to map an extensive network of underground caverns in the early 1970s. Mammoth Cave, as it's called, had already been cataloged by a slave named Stephen Bishop before the Civil War, who was tasked with leading tours down there in the depths. Bishop had meticulously mapped the whole system, providing a blueprint for future explorers. And much later, the National Parks Department took ownership of the cave and made it more tourist-friendly, installing carbide lights and handrails, restrooms, even a gift shop. Now that might not sound like the sort of place that hardcore caving enthusiasts would want to visit, but there was a popular theory at that time that Mammoth Cave linked up somewhere with the nearby Flint Ridge system several miles away, an entirely different network of tunnels. And if that were true, then it would establish Mammoth Cave as the single longest, deepest, continuous cavern in the world. For serious cave divers in Kentucky, finding that passage that connected the two caverns was a sort of holy grail, the proverbial promised land. And the members of the Cave Research Foundation, pictured in this photograph in 1972, were trying to find it. The photo came from a book called Broadband, the untold story of the women who made the internet. Now, you wouldn't think that the internet would have anything at all to do with a cave in Kentucky, but there's a curious connection here. You see, several members of the Cave Research Foundation were also computer programmers, most notably a married couple named Patricia and Will Crowther. Pat and Will were inseparable. They went on countless expeditions together, spending all of their vacations underground, copying their hand-drawn maps and dirt-stained notebooks onto a primitive Honeywell 316 computer that Will had borrowed from work. 
They tinkered quite a lot with the hardware and their efforts to upload these images of, of these maps became uh, the foundation of ARPANET, the military and academic precursor of the modern internet. Now, that's a pretty gross simplification of the technology and the history, but the point is that Patricia and Will were both pioneers at heart, delving into unknown darkness, exploring both the past and the future, whatever it might hold. Caving is unforgiving, writes Claire Evans, the author of the aforementioned book that chronicles this story. Cavers become enveloped by the earth, their every move constrained by walls and ceilings of rock. They eat very little, candy bars and canned meat, and they carry their waste with them back to the surface. They have no sense of time. Emerging, they may be surprised to see the moon. For my part, I've never done any real caving or splunking or rock climbing as much as I do enjoy candy bars and canned meat. I did unearth a tunnel once, though, beneath one of the buildings at my college. My friends and I discovered a mysterious hatch in the hallway outside of one of our classrooms, and we decided to pry it open one night when no one else was around. I went in, alone, and discovered a length of old, out-of-use maintenance tunnels, dirt floors and rusty pipes running along the length of the walls. It was pitch black down there and hot, but I brought a flashlight, though the darkness extended far beyond its reach. The lonely square of light that marked the hatch and the way I came in slowly receded behind me as I pressed onward into the gloom and murk. The passageway was perfectly square, maybe five feet tall by five feet wide, just short enough that I had to stoop in order to keep from knocking my head on the ceiling. I had no idea what lay ahead in this darkness. I mean, probably nothing. It seemed like no one had been down there in years. But then I did see something strange up ahead, throwing shadows on the wall. It was an old metal folding chair set out in the middle of the tunnel like some kind of abandoned throne. Wondering how it got there or what kind of person would be inclined to just sit there in the consuming darkness sent a shiver up my spine and I decided to head back the way I came and get out of there, never to return. Now at that time I had the luxury of retreat. I could simply turn around and go back the way I came. But oftentimes in life, that is not an option. Sometimes the only way out is through. And for Patricia Crowther, that's exactly what she did. She pushed through, quite literally, squeezing all 115 pounds of herself through a fissure in the wall of the Flint Ridge system. They called it the tight spot. Cavers come up with all kinds of nicknames for the landmarks they come across, and the tight spot was where the trail ended, a dead end, save for a crack in the wall that may or may not have led anywhere. Pushing herself through, just barely, she splashed into a chamber filled with cold, muddy water that came up to her waist when she stood up. But there, 
on the wall, she found something. The initials, P.H., were crudely inscribed there. Pete Hansen had been a legendary caver who'd explored Mammoth Cave over a century before. If those were indeed his initials, that meant Patricia had found the passage that connected the two networks of tunnels. She had found the missing link, the Holy Grail. She returned 10 days later with the rest of the expedition to begin widening the so-called tight spot, laboriously chipping away at the ancient stone until everyone could squeeze through. They passed through the flooded chamber, the water sometimes reaching up to their necks. Blind crayfish swimming around them for what felt like hours. And when they finally emerged into another tunnel, widening another fissure in the wall and rolling away the stones that blocked the path, they found a rusty handrail. And following it, it led them straight to a public restroom, not too far from the Mammoth Cave gift shop. They must have been quite the sight, soaking wet, their clothes stained with filth and their skin caked with mud, standing in the middle of a tourist's trap. One moment they were miles from civilization, at the furthest depths of one of the world's deepest caves, up to their necks in icy water. And in the next, they'd push through to the other side, greeted by electric lights and indoor plumbing and a shop selling coffee mugs and T-shirts. How far are we, I wonder, from pushing through to the other side of this darkness? These are troubled times. We're in the middle of a global pandemic that seems to be gaining momentum and intensity as the winter draws nearer. Our culture is wildly polarized, perhaps beyond all hope of reconciliation. Our nation's long overdue reckoning with racism is painful, especially for the victims of it. Millions of people are unemployed, working parents are struggling to keep up, losing time and money and sanity. Our kids are struggling, and we're headed into a chaotic, unpredictable presidential election that most folks approach with fear and trembling regardless of who you plan to vote for. Like someone exploring an uncharted cave system, we don't know what lies in the next chamber. We don't know what lies at the end of the next tunnel. We can't see beyond the dim glow of our own lights, and we don't have the luxury going back the way we came. I imagine those ancient Israelites following Moses into the desert must have felt much the same way. Having escaped from slavery in Egypt, they could not simply go back. They were hungry and thirsty and scared. They had no idea where they were going or when they would get there. They didn't trust the guy in charge. They didn't even trust God, wondering aloud, is the Lord with us or not? Some of Patricia's caving buddies wrote a book of their own chronicling her discovery. And in that book they wrote, the route is never in view, except as you can imagine it in your mind. There is no progress. There is only a progression of places that change as you go along. 
But God, of course, can see further than we can. God could see further than those ancient wanderers lost in the desert. God knew what they had yet to endure and what awaited them on the other side. And God sustained them until they got there with food and water. God could see the promised land as surely as God could see the stone rolled away from the cave where Jesus' body lay. Like our ancestors, we journey in stages through this wilderness. We have come a long way over the last six months. And we may yet have a long way to go. But the only way out is through. I'd said before that Patricia and Will Crowther were inseparable. I get cold when he's not keeping me company, she wrote in her diary. There's quite a draft here, the caves breathing. But by 1976, their marriage had fallen apart and Patricia had filed for divorce. Will took it hard, having traversed some of the darkest places on earth with Patricia, he now had to navigate an even deeper darkness all alone. Over the next several months, Will lived at his desk, surrounded by their old maps, their memories. He worked through the nights, plugging away at the keyboard, crafting 700 lines of Fortran code that would later become one of the most popular video games of its time, a text-based adventure called Colossal Cave Adventure. It was based entirely on their journals and maps. He claimed to have written it for his daughters, something they could play when they came over to visit their dad. But I think it was really for himself. It was Will's catharsis, his way of processing his personal loss. Colossal Cave Adventure helped him to squeeze through his own proverbial tight spot and into a brighter place in time. The tight spot. It feels these days like that's where the whole world finds itself. A little bit stuck. I wish I could say for certain that there is a light at the end of this tunnel, and there probably is. But I can't see it yet. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I can. But God can see further than me, or you, or any of us. And like our ancestors, I believe that God has a hope and a vision and a dream for us. And if the only way out is through, well, then that's where we have to go. Perhaps one day, Folks will stumble across old photographs of us. And perhaps they will remember not only what we suffered, not only what we endured, but what we discovered and accomplished and created in our journey through the dark, guided by the lights of our faith. Amen.